This is a HeadGum Podcast. If there's something preventing you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. Conveniently connect in a safe and private online environment, and you can start communicating in under 24 hours. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling, and you can send a message to your counselor anytime. Um, now, uh, normally for these ads, we like to bring in the Butterman from Pearl Jam's song, Can't Find the Butterman, whose site, BetterHelp.com, will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional dairy pissed. Uh, but he's asked me to take this time to really flesh out the character we've developed for Butterman's arch nemesis, mean Mr. Margarine, uh, which we haven't been able to get to work over the last few spots. Uh, so we can kind of do a, a story arc reboot next time and, and really get this thing going. So I'm going to use the copy I have in front of me as a jumping off point, and then we'll see where we are. Okay, so with BetterHelp, you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. Great. Um, so that makes me think that one of me and Mr. Margarine's traits is that he is neither timely nor thoughtful, and you can't schedule weekly sessions with him. Uh, with me and Mr. Margarine, a session will just diabolically appear on your calendar when you thought you had a free day to binge watch The Great British Bake Off. Okay. With BetterHelp, you never have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. And that's... That's actually what Mean Mr. Margarine's evil castle looks like when he captures you. It's a waiting room, and the only magazine they have is Margarine Weekly. And if you read too much of it, it exacerbates any existing problems you have with depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, or self-esteem. BetterHelp, of course, has licensed professional counselors who are specialized in these matters, and anything you share is confidential. With Mean Mr. Margarine... Everything you share is confidential, too, actually. So that is a point of similarity. BetterHelp is convenient, professional, and affordable. And mean Mr. Margarine has a convenient, professional, and affordable radiation device that he's going to use to turn the moon into a spreadable oil-based emulsion, which will eventually cause the planet to spin out of orbit and freeze, bringing about the untimely end of everything we've ever known. Okay, I think we're really getting somewhere now. Um, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash babysitters. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash babysitters. In 86, N.M. Martin wrote the first book. What became a call? Now it's time the Babysitters Club. Love. Jack, <laughs> right is left, up is down. <laughs> yeah. Inside is outside. Everything is topsy turvy, wacky, wild, backwards, upside down day. Because <laughs> last week you and I read a super special book, mm-hmm. Babysitter Special Number Twelve, written by a super special. Man, ghostwriter named Peter Larangis, mm-hmm. and it was bad, bad. <laughs> and we, we didn't have right fun with the set. text, and we didn't yeah. have fun with the record. Mm-hmm. And Baby Nation, we apologize for what you had to listen to last week. <laughs> this week, Jack, we we're back in back, back in our in back back on our bullshit. Yep, and we read Babysitters Club number, number eighty one. Mm-hmm. Christy and Mr. Mom. It was written a by Tour de Force. It was a Tour de Force. It was a good book. Yep, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Made me cry. Made me laugh. Mm-hmm. And it was written by a ghostwriter who you and I generally Despise. don't see eye to eye with. Yep, that's a better okay. way of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> the entity known as Jana and Malcolm. The entity. If you're still listening, we're sorry. We're sorry. You this finally feels did calculated, it. though. Yeah, you finally did it. Pete writes a bad book, and the entity writes a great book. Wow! What, what happened? <laughs> I'm starting to doubt everything, man. Yeah, and this was on their own terms. You could tell it was an entity book. You know, it didn't have the hallmarks of a Pete book. They didn't have the hallmarks of a Nola Thacker book. No dogs. No dogs. Maybe the entity's really good at writing. Tearjerkers, because I teared up so much in this book. I think that the entity really hits their stride 
when they are <clears throat> confronting the specter of death. Oh, you think that's sort of where they're comfortable. That's where their sweet spot is. Right. Probably because of what they've gone through, what they've experienced right. personally in their own lives. Like, the, essentially, the destruction of the body is something that yeah. they, they, they're probably the only known entity to have destroyed their bodies, but still to have passed that plane and still be alive on this plane. You know who they're like? They're like um, the guy from Jurassic Park at the end of Event Horizon. Have you seen that? The guy from Jurassic Park at... Okay, so I don't know the guy's name, but he's in Jurassic Park. Okay, Jeff But he's also in a movie called Event Horizon. Yeah. And when they reach the Event Horizon, they all kind of go insane, and they decide that they don't need their bodies anymore, and he tears out his eyes, and he says, where we're going, we won't need eyes. Right. Is that a a Back to the Future reference? No, it's a a Event Horizon reference. Okay, yeah. Um, He doesn't quite say it like that. Like, it's it's not quite... (laughs) That on the nose. It's not that uplifting. It's not that winking. <laughs> yeah. Like, get it? <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of what John and... They're, they've tasted it. Yeah. They've supped with death before. Yeah. And so this was a book that was about death. It was about confronting death. It was about the death of the body, about embodiedness. Um, mm-hmm. And boy, the entity just obviously felt really comfortable. Um, I'm going to Hercules here with me today, by the way. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up because I got Jenkins here with me today. And if you listened carefully, he's sitting in a cardboard box yeah. and tearing it to shreds from the inside. And that's going to pick up on the audio in a way that fun for me to watch, probably not fun for the baby nation to hear. So yeah, he just loves doing it. He loves does the game. it because he loves it. He loves the game. Well, good for him. Yeah. You know, you got to chase your bliss, Jenkins. Yeah. Yep. Well, he certainly does. We took him outside on a harness. Gross. What do you mean gross? That's a gross thing for cat people to do. No, it's not. He loved it. Either let your cat out to be an outdoor cat or make it an indoor cat. He loved it. He was so happy. Let him out. Just let him be. Let him go. Let him run. Hi, hi. And welcome to the Babysitter's Club Club, Club. a podcast in which I... Hi, by the way. You buzzed through pretty quickly. I didn't get a chance to say hi to you. You said hi to me twice, and I didn't get to say hi to you once. You s- we got to get through this. We're saying hi to the baby We got to get through this quick. Baby Baby Jack's going to poop out any second now. It could be any minute. It could be right now. It could happen right now. It could happen midway through this record. Yeah. Apparently, you're supposed to wait a little bit before you go to the hospital, so I'm sure I could just continue to record. That's fine. Is Sarah home right now? Yeah. That's good. At least she's not like... I told her I told her we're recording, so don't interrupt me no matter what. And keep in mind you can wait a little while before you yeah. go to the hospital yeah. once you've gone into labor. So, so don't interrupt when daddy's recording, I said. And if your water breaks, mop it up. <laughs> Gross. Oh, I love you, darling. <laughs> a podcast in which I, Jack Shepard, and I, Tanner Greenring. Talk about the classic novels of Princeton's own Princess Annabelle Matthews Martin, Sanctified, Stormborn, Mother of Clocks, and Bane to Bats. First of her name, last of her kind, last hope for humankind, and author of The Great Sitter's Cycle. Yes, all that. No comment? No comment on my new my new epithet? Um, I thought it was a very succinct and good you term listening. for something oh. we've been struggling with for quite a while. Thank you. But because I liked it and because I thought it was good, yeah. there's no way in hell I would ever <laughs> compliment you on it. So Fair. instead, I decided to just ignore it. All right. Well, let's breeze on past that. In that case, this week, Baby Nation, we read a book called Christy and Mr. Mom. Uh, Mr. Mom, the Mr. 1986 mm. Michael Keaton vehicle starring Mr. Mom. Mar- Martin Mull, is that his name? Michael Keaton? Yep, him too. Uh-huh. <laughs> What's it about? Uh, Michael Keaton has a heart attack and needs to uh, <laughs> stay home from his high-powered job at Unity Insurance as the CEO to watch after his his kids and his uh, wife's kids, okay. his stepchildren. Well, if that is in fact the case, Tanner then uh, we know why John and Malcolm did such a good job this week. (laughs) Malcolm turned to John and he's like, you know, I watched a really good movie last weekend. (laughs) It was like John and Malcolm were like doing whatever like weird entity shit they were doing and they were just about to go to bed and like Anne called and was like, hey guys, really looking forward to the manuscript for tomorrow. 
And they were like, ugh. (laughs) 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 So they just took the last movie they had seen, Mr. Mom, starring Michael Keaton, and wrote it up, and it turned out great. Um, Mr. Mom, so maybe Nation. He gets, in Mr. Mom, he's, un- he's an unemployed engineer, and his wife gets a high-powered job as an executive at an ad agency. So he's in perfect health. And I'm looking at this picture of Michael Keaton in the poster, Yeah, he looks like he's in perfect health. Okay. He's a well-put-together man. Okay. This is 1983. This is a year before he played Batman. Batman. In the Batman. Right. Yeah. So he's going to be in good shape for this. Unlike Watson. Uh, Watson is not in good shape. Baby Nation, the Mr. Mom in this novel uh, is the enigmatic, the devilishly handsome, the inscrutable Watson Brewer. You know who would have been more fun to read about as a Mr. Mom character? Mr. Prezioso. Oh, God. God, what if Mr. Like Prezioso that. just like stayed home? Like, what if he had some like some kind of mix-up where Mr. Prezioso gets fired from his high-powered job and like becomes a live-in nanny for the Brewer Thomas family? It is the wouldn't that be good to me? Biggest mystery of the entire Sitter cycle, including all of the mysteries, that there has not been a spin-off vehicle that is just focused on Mr. Prezioso. Right. Like they had a scene in this book where um they had to where Watson is rushed to the hospital and they have to get Sam and Charlie home and they have to page them at the boys basketball game. Right. And no mention, they could have taken a like, minute. They have to leave at halftime. Yeah. They probably Mr. came over Mr. to Mr. Prezioso's up there in the uh, in the bleachers just like, come on, coach. <laughs> Those are our best boys out there. You can't let them leave. And they're like, Mr. Prezioso, their dad just had a heart attack. It's like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> their dad just had a heart attack. If we lose this game, we're not going to States. <laughs> I expect commitment from this team. <laughs> Watson has a heart attack, baby nation. Oh, yep. Sorry. <laughs> Two major, major, major things happen in this book. John and Malcolm obviously are being entrusted with a lot more lately by Anne and has seen fit to give them a lot more scope in terms of advancing the plot. Two massive things happen that I think are probably two of the biggest events that have happened in Stony Brook uh, since we started reading. One, Watson, Christie's stepdad, has a heart attack, almost dies. Two, Pete Black and Sabrina Bouvier are doing it. (laughs) Yeah, but Baby Nation, by by doing it, Tanner means went to the movies. Went to a movie together. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good match, though, right? (laughs) That is a good match, except Sabrina Bouvier is eight and Pete Black is (laughs) 13. (laughs) I think I assume I assume it's it's time jumped. Sabrina Bouvier. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's always hard to tell which one exactly we're dealing with. I assume. I'm okay with it then. Has Pete Black time jumped or is he still Oh, they didn't get into it. This is this is like a, a fucking cliffhanger. They they have So here's a combo. Claudia just says, "You're not serious. Sabrina Bouvier went to the movies with Pete Black? I thought she was going with Carlos Mendez." They broke up on Friday. Stacey oh, Carlos explained. is back. Yeah, so that's all we know. Carlos is over though. Carlos is a cool dude. Carlos is the guy who took someone to a dance. Was it Stacy? It's very, very complicated what happened with Carlos Mendez. Uh, I think he was it, he was thought to be interested in Marianne during Marianne's makeover. Right, right, right. Um, but he's like a very cool dude, right? Like, very I remember cool. He very like. He like winked at the the club when they looked over. At yeah, him. Marianne's makeover, which is one of the probably one of the greatest novels ever written, ends with all of the babysitters on the dance floor saying Carlos Mendez, Carlos Mendez, Carlos Mendez, and Carlos Mendez hears it, dances past them, and just turns his beautiful shining face towards them, and winks once, shrugs, and keeps on dancing. So Carlos Mendez is a he cool wasn't guy. there with Marianne. He was there with every person at that dance. Yeah, he was there with all of us, Baby Nation, and yeah. we were the the luckiest dance partners in the world that night. Um, Tanner, should we talk about this book? This book that we read. Yeah. I suppose we should, eh? Why don't we do that by me describing it? Sorry, I'm just trying to order dinner. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I was trying to do it inconspicuously so you wouldn't notice. I am going to describe this novel. Tanner, would you like for me to do that? Yes, please. Okay, I'm going to start now. My voice is more masculine than that. <laughs> well, so, <laughs> if you won't supply it yourself, <laughs> you take what you're going to get. Oh, holy shit. J- a tweet just came up on my radar, Tanner. What is it? From, From Baby, Baby B. Colin. Right. Saying his, his, that his wife. His wife. Baby B. Jennifer. Baby B. Jennifer is about to have a new baby B for all of us. But most importantly, she took the opportunity of that special moment to submit the ultimate frogging. Yeah, it was brutal. <laughs> like he's filled with emotion. She's yeah. rushing to the hospital. She's in labor. She's about to give baby. Give baby. <laughs> she's about to give birth. <laughs> And they're in the hospital, and according to Colin, the nurse left the room, and she was asked to take the blanket off of her lap, Jennifer, the baby Jennifer was, and when she did, fucking frog. It was a wonder of frog. Uh, no one is ever going to Wait a second, that. wait a second, wait a second. What if baby B. Jennifer gave birth to a wandering frog? Oh my god, that is what if the that's ultimate frogging. What Colin was telling us. <laughs> Congratulations, you two. Congratulations, you two, on giving birth to a beautiful baby wandering frog. Uh, well, now that they'll both be losers for the rest of their happy lives. Mm-hmm. Well, that's wonderful news. Tanner, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to describe this novel, and I will brook no resistance, sir. This means that Baby B. Colin and Baby B. Jennifer um, had relations at roughly the same time that you and your wife had relations. Possibly on the, that very same... That very same night. <laughs> it's uh, crazy to think about. Well, we can, we can, we can. If they want to talk um, to me later, kind of off air, we can confirm uh-huh. because it has only been that one night. So I yeah. know, I know exactly when it was. Yeah, I'm sure they won't be too busy giving birth to a human baby <laughs> to talk to you about the last and only notes. time you've had sexual intercourse. Well, I can I'll, I can just read to them from my diary. I have a diary, and it only has one entry in it. <laughs> <laughs> Dear diary, you will not believe what just happened to me. I'm not sure I believe it myself. <laughs> you know the thing I pee out of? <laughs> Let's get back on topic. This is getting a little too juvenile for my tastes. Juvenile? It's the most adult thing you can do, have a baby with someone? <laughs> That's true. Listen, congratulations to Baby B. Colin and Baby B. Jennifer. I must, and and Baby B. Frog. Hey, Tanner, I must, I must, I absolutely must uh, describe this novel. Oh, fuck, Jack, we're almost, okay, whatever, fine. Just say, just say yes. We just started, we just started recording, and we've barely ramped up into this. We've got some, like, housekeeping out of the way, we've talked a little bit, and now it's time (sighs) to get into the meat of the show. Great. You do your recap, I'll do my recap, we'll have a fun back and forth about this book that we both liked, written by John M. Malcolm. John M. Malcolm, if you guys are still listening to this podcast, which I'm I'm sure you are, because why wouldn't you? What Um, else are you doing? What else are you doing? You did a good job. You did a great job. A very good job. I am now going to describe the fruits of that effort for you, Tanner, and for the Baby Nation. Okay. I'm going to begin now. Driven by his limitless ambition, millionaire businessman Watson Brewer only has time for two things in his life, his successful business and counting the money he makes from it. But after a brush with death, Watson begins to see that no matter how big his bank account becomes, it will never be large enough to contain those things that truly matter to him, his health, his happiness, and his devotion to his family. This heartwarming story about the love, the faith, and the bravery that is required to turn away from the things the world expects from us and towards the people who make that world worthwhile will open your eyes to the harsh and beautiful truth that the only business that matters is the business of living. Christy and Mr. Mom. Um, you and I speculated. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, is Watson? Uh, is Watson evil? 
He's the CEO of a major insurance company called U- Unity. Unity. Unity Insurance. And he's a millionaire. Like he's making a lot of money off yeah. of people's desperation and it is a multinational corporation with 600 employees. That's not that many, but well, B Theory Inc has only yeah. two people. It's a mom and pop operation. Uh, and we're not making money off of people's misfortunes. It's not what you call in the startup business profitable. Our company. Yeah. Um, but you got to spend money to make money, right? Got to spend money to make money. What's the opposite of profitable? What's the thing where you spend more each month in hosting fees <laughs> than you make in advertising? Um, bad at bad, I think. Bad at it. B- bad at it. We're that. Yeah, yeah, we're that. Can I do the thing where I make money off the misfortune and uh, bad health of other human beings? I think so. Because I would rather do that. um, Well, especially if you're an affable, fun, loving, dad joke making father of five, like all Watson. Because then everyone everyone will just kind of forgive you, your, your sins in the corporate world. Because this is this is really maybe not the first time they've said what his actual job is, but it's been pretty elusive up until now. Yeah, and I think this. Is, so let me read you this passage from from the novel uh, that happens after Watson has his heart attack um, and suddenly, very immediately, just stops being a like eighty hour a week workaholic and becomes Mister Mom. I was amazed. In a short time, Watson had changed from Mr. Hotshot Executive, driving a snappy red sports car and making deals on his car phone, to plain old Mr. Mom, hauling kids and pets and groceries everywhere in the van. I don't think a change like that happens to a driven, ambitious man like Watson, unless he is laying low. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Right? Or unless, like, his conscience is caught up to him. Oh, I see. Yeah, that could be true as well. Yeah, this is. I think this is a tension of this novel, and and John and Malcolm don't hit it particularly hard. And in some ways, I, I can't blame them. They're they're leaving it for us, the readers, to kind of parse it out. Do we judge Watson the man for what he does? He's a corporate shill working for a faceless corporation, working his employees to the bone for no pay uh, and no work life balance. And just rapaciously profiting off of the the ill health of the community that he thrives in, right? And then spending his millions on—I don't know what do they do on a man, a mansion he's in got a, Stony He's got Brook. a mansion in Stony Brook. He's got a red sports car. Yeah, he's got a fax machine in his home. Yeah, in his home, he has a home. Do you have a fax, fax machine, machine in your home, Jack? <laughs> what do you take me for? Not a multi-millionaire insurance mogul. Drowning in hosting fees over here. The last thing I can afford (laughs) is a fucking fax machine. (laughs) I wish. (laughs) Baby Nation, the kind benefactors had come pay our hosting fees. Don't. (laughs) (laughs) We're making it seem like we're poppers. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's a a photo. I almost said photo. (laughs) There's a painting by the great Hodges Swallow... Mm-hmm. Babysitter's Club art director. Watson Brewer on the cover of this week's book. Is not, there? He's, he does not look like what I expected him to look like. Let's have a gander at He's it. kind of a chubby, um, bald-headed, middle-aged man. Looks affable. He looks nice. He looks approachable. Christian, Mr. Mom. Oh, he's wearing a chef's hat? Yeah. He's yeah. kind of got full cheeks. He doesn't look overweight. He doesn't look like... He doesn't look like he's carrying around a ton of pounds. He's just kind of got a round face and full cheeks. But he's not very paunchy. He looks like a good man. Yeah. He looks like a good man. He looks like um, the dad in Veronica Mars. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does yeah. look like the dad from Veronica Mars, yeah. And he's got he's got that... Um, He's do he's playing both roles, which I like. He's wearing an apron and he's got a, sh- a funny chef's hat on. Uh-huh. Uh, so he's obviously just goofing around with the kids. He's making he's making pancakes, but he's also wearing like thousand dollar shoes. <laughs> They're very clearly pricey shoes. And he has like They're a like gleaming, like a Calvin Klein button down shirt. <laughs> yeah, underneath it, he like he and he's made- got he's got a full set of pure copper 
cookware. Yeah, <laughs> hanging on the the wall behind him. And those are that's those are not cheap pans. Paid for uh, directly by the probably lifetime salaries of people suffering from incurable health conditions right. that he, that he is he has reaped through his rapacious insurance business. Can I mention something real quick, Jack, before yeah. I do my recap? Mm-hmm. 40 Please. minutes in. Why not? Hey, hey, why not? Well, let's let's talk about something other than your recap now that we're uh, 40 fucking minutes in. There are so many flies in your house. I know. I know. What, <laughs> what is happening? It's like bothering I just me. Are keep, you watching? I just me? keep seeing them like buzz by your camera. Yeah, I I don't dude, is there I don't a know. portal to hell that's opened up near you? <laughs> All I can say is that Jenkins likes to we've been leaving the garage door open cuz Jenkins likes to go and hang out in the garage. So maybe okay. they're 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 coming in from there. I don't know what the fuck goes on in that garage. We have a garage they just keep now buzzing we by the camp? Brooklyn. I yeah, it's it's bugging me, man. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's what you think that's what happens like when you're about to give birth. Yeah, the, that's that's the summoning of the flies. <laughs> yeah, it's a, so that means that means we're close. You leave out the placenta th- for them to um, <laughs> appease the the Lord of Rot. Yeah, their great master, Baby Nation. I'm surprised could... you haven't been over any of this in your birthing classes. I Sarah got me a book called Expecting Better that's yeah. about like pregnancy, and I skimmed it. But I, I'm going to be honest, the, I didn't the read the whole thing. I didn't get Lord to the summoning of, of the flies. Yeah, yeah. But Baby Nation, that you heard it here first. We have a, we've reached the time the time of birthing that is known as the summoning of the flies. Right. Um, it's, Baby Nation, if you reach this part, make sure to hold on to that placenta. If you don't <laughs> offer it up to the Lord of Rot, you're Oof. fucking doomed. Oof. Your baby yeah. will have the... Well, they call it the gift of vision, but it is not a gift to be able to see dead people. It's not a gift. It's not a gift. It is a curse. Right. Um, well, the flies are here, and something else is coming. Uh, something else is coming soon. I can feel it. Uh, so pray Are you going for into us. labor right now? Uh, no, no, I don't feel. I don't feel anything. You're supposed to. You're supposed to feel contractions. I don't feel. I just feel. Does any water loose? come out of your um, penis? Not more than usual. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're good. Then I think we've still got some time. Maybe I should do my recap. Um, I'm gonna put 60 seconds on this big bad clock. During those 60 seconds, I would like for you to describe this novel. I'm going to begin now. Um, okay, Baby Nation. Uh, it's winter. Stony Brook's snowy, snowier than usual. Um, David Michael is going to be a rooster in a Thanksgiving Day parade called the Bremptown Musicals. Um, Watson Brewer is out shoveling the driveway after he goes and drops David Michael off at rehearsal and has a heart attack, dies on the spot. <laughs> uh, and then they, they, they kind of, it's, it's a book about mourning and they plan a, a funeral and a wake and they figure out how they're going to keep, keep surviving in this millionaire's mansion without his wealth to support them. Yeah, it's really sad, um, and that's time. And uh, Christie says, uh, in some ways, Watson was a father and a mother to me, and uh, I've always thought of him in many ways as Mister Mom. Um, yeah, at the, that's her at eulogy. the funeral. That's your eulogy. Right. It's 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 pretty fucking whack. The whole thing and is then whack. The, and then the Lord of Rot comes and helps raise the kids. Yeah, that was a weird one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, this is new, Tanner. You described a thing that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Baby Nation, Watson's fine. He's fine. He's fine. It was a He does have attack. a heart attack. It was very intense. John and Malcolm did a fantastic job of describing that scene. Yeah. It was incredibly powerful. You know what, actually, Tanner? It was what? mine. <gasps> Moment. That was actually pretty on sync, in sync. Yeah, it was pretty good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it to you. I'm gonna, maybe I'll just, shall I just read the scene? It's harrowing. It's what I would describe as harrowing. This is what I'm saying about John and Malcolm Tanner. They are at their happiest, at their most comfortable when they are talking about death. Yeah. Last time they're we, like they're like frolicking nude in a fountain of blood. Yeah. The last book they did, if I remember correctly, was uh, Claudia and Crazy Peaches, and the the mandate they were given by Anne was 
hey, um, I'm really busy. Can you do a book for me that's um, – I've given you the outline. It's basically just like Claudia's aunt Peaches is coming to town and she's pregnant. Go, all right, go to town. And they were like, the baby dies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's Claudia's fault. <laughs> Claudia and the Spectre of Death. <laughs> and then this one, Anne was like, all right, uh, guys, I'm going to give you another shot at this. Basically, Watson has to take time off of work. And, uh, you know, like he takes on a lot of the household chores and, uh, you know, hijinks. Right. And they're like, he has a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. <laughs> he dines with death. <laughs> So I captured about six tearful moments in the opening chapters of this book. Yeah, same. I was weeping. I was a fucking wreck. So I suspect several of mine are in are are contained in what you're about to cover. Maybe I'll just read it, it, it all of it, and and it can be our joint tearful moment. Right. It is powerfully described. This is honestly, John and Malcolm. We talk a lot of shit. This was beautiful. This is Pulitzer Prize worthy description of an incredible moment. They fucking nailed it. I watched Watson trudge through the snow to the door of our house. The way he was walking, all hunched over, made him look like an old man, which he is not. He paused at the top of the porch steps to catch his breath again, then turned and waved. I'll have the pizza waiting for you. Thanks, Watson. As I bent over the shovel, I heard a clunk. When I looked up again, Watson had fallen to his knees on the porch and was clutching his chest. Watson! I screamed. My voice echoed in my ears as I dropped the shovel and ran for the porch. Everything seemed to move in slow motion. Watson's eyes were squeezed shut and his face was twisted with pain. I stumbled up the steps, falling at his feet. Watson, what's the matter? I cried. My chest, he gasped. Sharp pain. Get help. I half crawled, half ran to the front door. Mom, help, somebody. I yelled as I raced to the phone. My hands were trembling so much I could hardly make my fingers dial 911. Mom, help! I screamed up the stairwell. Powerful. Powerful. It, it is a brilliant piece of writing. You stopped just short of my truest tearful moment. Hit me, man. Uh, bring us home. Bring us home. This we, killed I, me. I read this whole passage through tears. Me too, but there's one moment, a paragraph later, that just killed me. And I'll, me. I'll pick up right where you left off. Perfect. When the emergency operator answered, I tried to keep my voice from shaking as much as I could. Tears stung my eyes and I choked out the words. My father. I think he's having a heart attack. 354 McLeland. Hurry, please. My father. My father. Wow. In this moment of, of crisis, in this moment of weakness, Christy says, my father. Watson is her father. Like, yeah. Christy's biological father. She quickly corrects herself. Like a paragraph later, she's like, uh, my, my name is Christy Thomas, my stepfather. Oh, that's a fucking nice catch Watson and a Brewer. really, really nice touch by John Ann Malcolm. But when she's and caught up in the emotions. His dad. Yeah. Which is weird because in this book, he's referred to as Mr. Mom. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my mother. I mean, <laughs> my Mr. Mother. <laughs> Please, he's having a heart attack. <laughs> Mr. Daddy is sick. <laughs> You should insist that your new son or daughter calls you Mr. Daddy. Oh, I certainly will. Actually, never mind. That's awful. <laughs> yes. Why? No, I think that's great. I it's think like, it's pretty gross. It sounds no, like a term of art in the fetish community. Great. Well, now it is. <laughs> I think it's what it's what's cool about it is that it is this mixture of formal and affectionate. A little Mr. bit of Daddy. both. Yeah, Mr. Daddy. He's a disciplinarian, but he's not afraid to have a little fun. I can actually see why it's a term of art in the fetish community now. My friend Jim, Uh who you know from the podcast. Whom I know from the podcast. Often mentioned. No one says whom anymore. Uh, (laughs) He was trying to get his young son I also know him personally. I don't just know him from mentions on the podcast. Well, Baby Nation knows him from the podcast because we okay. mentioned him on the podcast. Great. Whom Baby Nation knows from the podcast. His son, Jules, who's now two-ish, he was trying to get him to call him dude for a little while instead of dad. Oh, that's good. Which is really cool. Did it work? I don't think so. I think he calls him daddy now. Uh, Baby Nation, Tanner and I are 
America's leading babysitters club critics, but we right. are America's worst babysitters. One time, Jim took Jules over to our house to play Nintendo for a day. <laughs> well, yeah. No, Jim took Jules over to your house, and we played Nintendo for a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and Jules just kind of wandered off. <laughs> And it was the new Mario, so it was very hard to pay attention to the child and also pay attention to the new Mario, which is three players. Uh Anyway, everything was fine. And Jules got hurt. You're missing (laughs) the the key detail of this. Is Jules wandered off and hurt himself. I didn't want to say it because I carried the guilt with me. He pulled something off a counter and a book fell on his head. And the three dingleberries playing (laughs) Nintendo couldn't be bothered. Oh, he came home with a black eye. Nobody was pleased. <laughs> is, have I, is that now evidence of a crime? I mean, is neglect a crime? <laughs> I don't know. Is criminal neglect a crime? <laughs> I ask you, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, <laughs> is criminal neglect a crime? He's fine. He's doing well. Jules is good. He's fine. Tanner, let's keep talking about this book. Okay. Let's see. I, you want to do a quick exciting. role play? Uh, mm, I very much do. All right, good. Um, let me. I'll just, I have something exciting as well. Okay. Well, we'll do an exciting role play. Just we'll just do this super fast. We got a quick in and out because these this one this one is a little dangerous. Okay. Paint me paint a, paint a picture for me. Um, give me into the scene. I am. You're the director. You're Scorsese, okay. and I am Daniel Day Lewis. All right. You're Daniel Day Lewis, but you got I need some method acting here because you today you are playing. Richard D- Daniel Day Lewis is one of um, our finest method actors. Exactly. That's why st- I need you to start inhabiting the role now. I feel like normally it takes a little, little longer. <clears throat> I need you okay. to play <clears throat> Richard Spear. Okay. You got <clears throat> it. Do you want to do? You want to go through the paces a little bit? You mean, I'll, I'll ask you some questions. Where, where do you work? Can't remember. <laughs> um, uh, what's your mother's name? No idea. <laughs> Um, what, where'd you go to high school? Stony Brook High School. <laughs> okay, all right, we're getting there. We're getting there. I'm, fe- I'm feeling this. All right, so I'm gonna. You got. You got. You're in the role, right? I'm in the role. I'm going to be Mrs. Spear. Okay, but there's a twist. Okay, I am wearing a. Nope, I hate it. I hate it already. I am wearing a electrician's outfit. That's all you need to know. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Uh, hello, Richard. I'm here to fix the electricity. Why are you doing a low man's voice? Because <laughs> I'm a maintenance man. I thought you were Mrs. Spear. But I'm Mrs. Spear dressed as a maintenance man. Okay. Okay. I'm hello. Back in. Okay. Hello, Richard. <laughs> Mr. Spear. Hello, honey. Uh, uh, why would you call me honey? I mean, I'm just a, a stranger here to fix so, the electricity. I'm Richard Spear. Are are we role playing? That's that's right. Of course. Can you? You're set re- up you're really getting me out me? of it. <laughs> I'm dressed Give as a maintenance man. Mode. And who am I? You're uh, the, uh, house house husband. You're Mr. Mom. Okay, let me get into the character. <clears throat> you're a homemaker. I'm a homemaker. <laughs> you sound a lot like Tanner. No, I'm Mr. Richard Spear doing an impression of a <laughs> homemaker husband. I'm a man. A role play within a role play. Uh, ding dong. Let me go grab that, honey. I mean, <laughs> sir. <laughs> H- hello. And, I- stop, stop, stop. Creak. <laughs> hello, I'm Mr. Uh, <clears throat> Hello. Uh, hello? Hi, it's the maintenance man you called for? As oh, you can tell uh, from my outfit? Well, this is embarrassing because I actually have another <laughs> maintenance worker in the house already. It's actually just my wife, but she's dressed as a maintenance worker. No, that's... <laughs> oh, I'll come back another time. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> They're having trouble inhabiting this space. <laughs> Sir, honey, let's just get uh-huh. through this. We've the Dawn's gonna get home any minute. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> uh, 
I'm hey, I'm gonna fix the electricity, but first, uh, do you have any milk in your fridge? In the fridge, uh, uh, I'll, I'll go check. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, he goes and checks. It, d- and then I put the wrench in the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> This book is all about high-powered business executive Watson Brewer, and the role play you decided to come out with was a weak refrigerator play. No, it's a strong refrigerator play. Baby Nation, New Baby Bees, I'm sorry to you and also to all Baby Bees. New Baby Bees... Uh, it is established in these texts that, and no kink shaming here, we love it, and we think it's great, but it is very clear that Richard and Sharon Spear, what they like to do in their uh, free time involves refrigerators. Uh, here is the passage uh, where that was described in this novel. When it comes to housekeeping, Dawn's mom is pretty casual. Some people might even call her a bit of an absent-minded slob, which is rude. Very rude. She'll put the wrench in the refrigerator and the milk in the toolbox. (laughs) (laughs) That's unsafe, Sharon. That's unsafe. It's Milk is going to spoil. It's dangerous, Sharon. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad they didn't get that other repair guy involved in their lovemaking. Man, that would have been very complicated. As you can tell, Tanner and I are very sophisticated role players. And improv comedians. Uh, but that one was was spiraling very quickly out of control. I think introducing a, th- a third character. <laughs> and you insisted on doing a role play within a role play, which is always very difficult. Well, I think we nailed it. Um, I would love to pause very quickly and go and grab a beverage. Okay, I'll do the same. Best Fiends is a free-to-download, casual, mobile puzzle game with literally yep. thousands of levels that is boredom's yep. worst nightmare. And yep. uh, if you guys don't remember, Tanner and I have been engaging in a friendly competition yep. uh, between my group of fiends, uh, the Jack's, Jack's jerks, Jumping Jerks, Jack's jumping jerks. and Tanner's Tiny, Tiny Ticklers. ticklers. Yep. Um, and up until now, we've had some difficulties because while I have been playing through the game at quite a clip and advancing uh, and binging on the game and advancing mm-hmm. from level to to level uh, and enjoying more levels, events, and challenges that are added all the time. Um, Tanner, you've tended to have trouble um, getting your phone started. My phone wasn't working, but yeah. I have gotten it to work, Jack, okay. and I've, I've, I feel like I've caught up with you in Best yeah. Fiends. Um, okay, that's great to hear. And I'm really I'm, I'm here to engage with you on it and, and talk about kind of our experiences playing the game. I do love the game. I just had a lot of phone troubles up until now. Okay, well, I'm glad but you're now back. But I'm, I'm embracing it. I'm playing it. I'm having so much fun with it. I love it. Okay, well, I'll start. Uh, so one of my experiences playing the game that I really enjoy is um, I really like picking which fiends to use and oh, upgrading them that. and c- building a crack team as I go through the levels. My favorite is Mordecai. Okay, that's not one. It's my favorite fiend. What level are you on, Jack? I am somewhere in the 40s. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And yourself? Seven D thousand. Well, okay, that's a lot. They do have thousands of levels, uh, and they do have updates 000. all the time, so you can keep At playing as much 000. as you want. Yes. So yep. that's what level I'm on, and I am having a fun with it. It's me. It's Mordecai. Yeah. It's um, okay. That's not one of them. Well, maybe it's in the later levels. It's but, in the, and, you haven't got there yet. Uh, it says here, what makes you want to keep at it? That's a good thing. For me, it's just, it's binge worthy and it's like, it's bite sized. You can just play like a little bit for like 10 minutes uh, when you've got, when you're waiting for the something, whatever. To me, it's the feeling it gives me, if you know what I mean. No. Oh, just binge worthiness. It feels so good to play. Yeah. And uh, when do you play? Only at night, baby. Okay. <laughs> Great. Perfect. Um, Only at night. Okay, perfect. I'm starting to think that you still have not been able to get your phone started. I I really want to play more. <laughs> yeah. Jack, I do love the game. It's very fun, and we yeah. were competing, but I have so many phone problems. Is it possible that you're f- holding your phone upside down? Tried that. Yeah. Okay. You know you can hold your phone sideways, too? Yeah. <laughs> And I tried that as well because someone I was I was on the forums, 
I've been in touch with the makers of Best Fiends, and I just... I, this is not their fault, I can tell you. This is not their fault, and weapon. the game is so fun. Yeah. I'm so interested in playing. Yeah, okay. Have you tried turning your phone on? Oh. There's a button on that usually on the side. What do you mean, on? Forget it. Uh, download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. Holy shit. That's friends without the R. Best thing just lit up. Fiends. Okay. Well, this is great. Whoa. That's a lot of <laughs> notifications. <laughs> okay. Tanner, you told me that there was something that you were excited about, and then I made you do a sexual explicit role play. Let's get back to your idea. Jack, there is something I'm excited about. <laughs> Good. There's a chink in the armor. Tell me more. In an M. Night Shyamalanian twist, a weakness to one of our main factions has been exposed. Is this about dolls? It's about the dolls. I think I know what you're talking about, but I want you to spell it out for me. This I ca- captured this as well. Did you watch the M. Night Shyamalan movie Signs? I did. I did. And at S- the end, the aliens away. are weak to water. Yeah, swing away. Yeah. Well, let me read a passage to you, Jack. Please do. Nina, Eleanor, where are you two? Nina poked her head out of the bathroom. We're in here, washing our dolly's hair. The girls had pulled two chairs up to the bathroom sink, which were filled to the brim with water. Floating in the middle were two fully clothed dolls. Oh, brother, Mallory moaned. I need help now. She heard to the phone in the kitchen and called Jesse. Luckily for Mal, Jesse was home. Mal, Jesse cut in. Calm down. It's going to be okay. I'll be right over. I'll bring popsicles and any other treats I can find. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, Mel said gratefully. Mal hung up the phone and hurried back to check on Eleanor and Nina. The dolls were still floating in the sink, but now all the water was all over the floor. Time to dry the dollies, (laughs) Mal said, handing each girl a towel and then pulling the plug on the sink. If you don't, they might catch cold. Oh, poor dolly, Nina said gently, cradling hers in the towel. We don't want them to get sick. Eleanor watched her sister and imitated. Oh, poor dolly. Oh, poor dolly. We don't want you to get sick. The twins, who we were worried about, we were afraid of when they first came on the scene, they have discovered something that might unlock this whole fucking thing. Right. We have been plagued by dolls, Baby Nation, since book three. Baby Nation, I think Jack and I were afraid to say it, but the dolls were winning. The dolls were winning. We had we didn't know what to do. There's never been any there's never been any sign that the babysitters, even now that the seven are one, there's never been any sign that there was pushback in the war against the dolls. Right. Until now. Every other faction and Baby Nation, if you're not up to speed, it's literally too complicated to explain to you. Dolls are infesting Stony Brook, and the only thing that is standing against that infestation and the infestation of at least six other major factions, including the witches, right, is the seven babysitters, which were not whole for some time, but are now right. one again. Now and that in Dawn that time, is back. in that time, in Dawn's absence, when the seven were five, six or five or four, because Mal was sick for a while too with mono, the dolls made some moves. But now, Jack, now. We've exposed a chink in their armor. Yeah, and it's the twins. It's these fucking twins that we no. thought were creepy. Jack, this is a Shyamalanian twist. Tell me more. The dolls aren't weak to the twins. Right. The dolls are weak to water. Yeah, no, exactly. Water makes them ill. It makes them sick. It seems to me like Nina and Eleanor are aware of that. Like what like what kind of what are you doing? Like if you're two normal kids that like as soon as you get a moment of free time because the babysitter is otherwise occupied, you go up and you take all the fucking dolls and put them all in the sink. You drown them. You drown, you drown them. Drown your dolls. Uh oh! Finally, mom, mom left. Uh, all right, mom. See you later. Hope you have a good time. Uh, at the jazzercise class. Uh, now Nina and I are gonna go drown all of our dolls. <laughs> right. Got to drown you know the dolls. I did the second my mom left me alone in the house. Drowned, drowned the old when doll. When I was a kid. Crank that hog. Yeah. <laughs> Cranked it right up. That's I wasn't what I'm anno- thinking about drowning dolls. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> makes it makes it uh, hopefully d- d- harder to crank the old hog if you're thinking about drowning dolls. 
Hmm. <laughs> well, this was a bad tangent. <laughs> Look, there are a lot of metaphors flying around right now, Baby Nation. Hogs, <laughs> doll drowning. <laughs> you could be forgiven for not knowing where you are. I'm not sure right. I know where I am. The point here is that we have found a weakness for these fucking goddamn dolls. Maybe Nina and Eleanor are in on it. Maybe they've figured it out themselves and they're trying to show fucking a two goddamn Mallory and Jesse what they need to do to f- get this scourge that has been affecting Stony Brook out of here. Drown the fuck. Baby Nation, swing away. Yeah. Drown your dolls. Drown your dolls. Baby Nation, first of all, I hope that you are not in a room with corners. Right. We've been over this. How's the Tindalos? Yeah. We're not gonna we're not gonna go over it again. We're not gonna go over it again. Second of all, if you have any dolls, and if you haven't done this and you're listening to the podcast and you're like, oh, oh, list I'll finish the podcast and then I'll do it. Don't put it off. Don't Dr- put it off. Drown your dolls. Drown your dolls, just, baby nation. Just drown your dolls. It's it's not it's hard. Important. Everybody has a sink, you know? Not everybody, but most people have sinks. Most people have sinks. Most people we just have got, sinks. And... We just got an email from a kindly park ranger earlier this week. Yeah. Uh, Baby B Adam mm-hmm. is a honest-to-goodness park ranger at Jellystone. Is Jellystone the made-up one from Yogi Bear? Yeah. Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yellowstone National Park. I've heard of it. Who lives right in the middle of the the woods and only can get into town and public Wi-Fi once every two weeks to download our podcast? That's what that's he's like um, Thoreau. Yeah, that was what, he's like Thoreau. That's what Walden is about. He lives in the woods, but once every two weeks he does go back to town to download the Babysitters Club Club podcast. Right, it's beautiful. Probably it's freshen beautiful up book. the. Uh, porn supply on his laptop. <laughs> yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> uh, he probably doesn't have a sink. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so? That was a long walk. <laughs> well, Baby listen, Nation, drown your dolls. Baby B. Adam. Hey, Baby Nation, if anyone lives near Baby B. Adam, do check on him. He's living in the no middle one does. of nowhere in a cabin with no internet, and if he has any dolls, he has no way to drown them. Yeah, the dolls have taken je- uh, Jellystone. Yeah. <laughs> I can never... <laughs> Jack, this is not a joke. I'm 33 years old. I can never remember if je- Jellystone is the, the fictional one or Yellowstone What a bad disease that you have. What a bad but beautiful disease you have. <laughs> I'm certainly not going to cure you of this affliction because I think it's wonderful. <laughs> uh, baby Adam, thank you for writing in. Baby Nation, drown your dolls. Jack, Yeah, I have a question. Yeah, tell me. I was wondering if this week you had a... (gasps) (laughs) 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 Why? What do you mean? Why don't you just say it along with me? I feel like we blew our wad early on by doing the whole blah 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 and the dubstep and the explosions. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just trying to find ways to like spice it up a little bit, you know? People like continuity in their lives, Tanner. They like mean? things that appear like clockwork. Like to keep it interesting. I that they can spicy. rely on. Uh, I did have a burn of the week this week. Um, it was a weird one. Ugh. Baby Nation, John and Malcolm wrote a good book this week, but one thing John and Malcolm are not good at is burns they don't do burns well they can't do them well it's not uh, maybe they've been burned in their life you know and it's which is literally had to graft into one another or maybe they weren't accepted by society after they were grafted into one another and someone tried to burn them but either way they are obviously shy fire is not something that they're interested in Right. Burns are not something that they are interested in. Um, right. And so in an entity book, you know it's going to be a burn light book. So so what I have here, I hope you will indulge me, is something is somewhat unorthodox. But I found it to be a charming and wonderful moment. And in some ways, it is a burn. It is as follows. The best scene in this novel, which uh, we have not thus far described... A truly brilliant piece of writing by the entity is when Watson's ill-fated Mr. Mom gag finally 
starts to fall apart. Shit hits the fan. Uh-huh. Right, right, right. He tries to take a break from work, but he's like a high-powered executive. He just can't. He can't give it up that easily. He can't handle the it. The company's not ready to lose him. Yeah. He quickly reverts back into like this this r- mode where he's getting a lot of faxes and taking a lot of calls and working more than taking care of the house. Yeah. And everything goes wrong. There are five kids in the house. Karen and Andrew are visiting. He's got pizzas in the oven. They're burning. And all of a sudden, Emily Michelle gets sick. She's like poltergeist vomiting everywhere around the house. Yep. Um, she just keeps asking for her bear. Uh, Andrew has- Where's my bear? Where's my bear? Andrew has <laughs> fucking cut his finger somehow. He's freaking out. Sam and Charlie get home, and they're like, what's for dinner? And they're, like, bouncing basketballs around the house. Andrew doesn't like, cut his finger. He smashes his own hand with a hammer. He smashes his own hand with a hammer that Watson has left out because In he was trying to- an act of pure masochism. Yeah. It's fucking chaos. The phone rings from Watson's work, and it's his secretary, and she's like, there's a crisis at Unity Insurance. And Christy's like, oh, I'll get Watson. And then, like, everyone's distracted. Shit is going crazy. It's a great scene. Baby Nation, if you only read one uh, chapter from this book, read that chapter. It's a brilliantly written piece. And at the height of all of this chaos, Karen Brewer walks out of the master bedroom Dressed in one of mom's old party dresses and a pair of high heels. A big straw hat sat at a funny angle on her head. Hi, Christy. Let's play Let's All Come In, she said, ready to swing right into the game. I'll be Mrs. Fiddlefaddle, and you can be my maid. Karen, who's like neglected in all of this and ignored, takes that moment (laughs) to walk out. Like Watson has like vomit all over him. Chrissy's like like holding like pulling the burned pizza out of the oven and Karen Karen just like sitting there the whole time biding her time and then walks out of the fucking master bedroom and is like I'm Mrs. Fiddle Faddle let's role play <laughs> so just like it's not really a, a burn it's just kind of playing playing against expectations you picked you picked the burn that if David Foster Wallace was reading this book <laughs> This is the burn he would have picked. He's like, look at this. How droll. <laughs> yeah, it's a moment. It's a moment where we take we step back. It's meta. It's beautifully it's cute. It's written. It's a cute scene. Now, it didn't strike me as a burn, but I appreciate that you're thinking outside the bun. Um, technically, the phrase is thinking outside the box. Thinking outside the bun is a very bad Taco Bell slogan. Let's agree to disagree on this one. Okay. Um, can I tell you mine? Yeah. <laughs> mine is equally weak. Mine is actually a burn. This wasn't weak. This was a burn. wonderful scene. It was a bad burn. <laughs> a good scene. This is right after Watson has a heart, his heart attack, and he's in the hospital, and um, Christy's mom is in the hospital, and Nani's at the hospital, and all the kids are taking care of, of themselves, and Christy's watching all the younger kids, and Shannon and Marianne and Dawn all come over to help. Bath for the kids, then bedtime stories. I tick the items off my fingers. Lay out David Michaels and Emily's clothes for tomorrow. Clean up the kitchen. Pick up around the house so mom won't have to when she gets home. How about school lunches, Shannon asked. Do we need to make those? I ran one hand through my hair. Oh, yeah. Let's see. There are four of us. I'll take that job, Don said, standing up. Making food is one of my favorite hobbies. Terrific, Marianne groaned. Everyone's going to have sprout sandwiches and carrot juice. <laughs> this is, maybe Nation, this is what we're working with here. That was the strongest burn I could pull out of this book, maybe. It's like not a bad burn. It's just a little on the nose. I think that is the only true burn in this book. Um, yeah. My burn was more a scene that I liked. <laughs> yeah. Good scene. I would have maybe nominated Karen as my baller of the week in that moment. But <laughs> we have segments for this, Jack. <laughs> Tanner, I feel like it, it may be clo- closing in on time for us to get the fuck out of here. Closing time. <laughs> Let's see. The only other note I have here is Christy might be Banksy, but <laughs> I don't know if it's worth hitting. <laughs> Here's what Christy says that makes me think she might be Banksy. Just to hit this real quick. I chuckled to myself. Even when you live in a mansion, your car can get stuck. 
<laughs> that sounds like a Banksy, like a Banksy. <laughs> yeah, it's like you see, like a, a billionaire, like pushing his Ferrari out of his like, <laughs> snowed-in driveway. He's like, oh, snow makes poppers of us all, huh? Oh, that's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah, good. Like us. Oh, yeah. Is Christy Banksy? <laughs> Could this be Banksy? This is uh, <laughs> subversive, but obvious. So maybe it's Banksy. Oh, that's good. Baby Nation, by the time you hear this podcast, yeah, there will be a new Baby Jack in the world. Yeah. The flies are already here. The flies are already there. <laughs> Tanner will have... Uncle Tanner? Nothing. Uncle Tanner... Yeah, uncle Tanner. He'll be an uncle. Yeah. Um, but he had to give up his kidney stone and yeah. him and his wife aren't having planning on having kids anytime soon. So I'll just be lonely Uncle Tanner here in Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. <sighs> Let's get the fuck out of here. Baby Nation. You've got a baby to have. I'm about to have a baby. For all I know, Sarah's in labor right now. I told her not to fucking disturb me. No matter what. I did notice a few minutes ago you were very distracted looking at something on your computer in front of you. Was it a frantic text message from your wife saying, it's happening? It says, I'll My read My water it. broke. I'm cleaning it up. I'll read it. They're actually, I'm looking at it now. They're actually a bunch. I'll read you the latest one. Um, yeah. I, at hospital. Yeah. Come soon. So there must have okay. been, there's like a whole narrative, presumably, this before is that. Who, this is who? Sarah or? Sarah, yeah, to me. Oh, okay. Yeah. The okay. other ones, I mean, it's just like a whole, there's a ton of them. Sarah's, Sarah gets, she gets a little text happy. It sounds like you got the night off there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, comedy. Um, hey, Tanner, let's get the fuck out of here. Let's get the fuck out of here, out of this place. Me too. Yeah. Me as well. Um, Baby Nation, thank you so much for your wonderful reviews on iTunes. Uh, to everyone mm-hmm. who's... And if you haven't left a review yet yeah. or rated or subscribed to the show, mm-hmm. you cannot be considered part of baby nation so fuck off <laughs> i think i think who you have described tanner is mm-hmm. uh the majority of our listenership well they can fuck off uh please don't fuck off please don't fuck but off do we please lo- we love you and, and we kiss you regardless of what you do um yeah. we both love and kiss you every day and every night and we'll love and kiss you more of you. Uh, take take a moment to write us a nice review on iTunes. It means the world to us. I love to read them. It's nice to be validated. And iTunes loves to see them because it means that we move up in the rankings and more people see the show that they might want to listen to. Baby Nation, this week we read a book that was called Christy and Mr. Mom. Mm-hmm. Next week, we're reading a book called Jesse and the Troublemaker. Sounds like a Ooh. like a supervillain, the troublemaker. Yeah. Jesse already had a run in with a troublemaker. Who was that? Jesse was the one who Oh, the superb had rat. To deal with the superb rat. Yeah. Jesse gets a lot of the bad gigs in the Sitterverse. Uh yeah, she sure fucking does. Uh she had the superb rat and now she's got this mysterious entity known only as the troublemaker. Um I can't wait and um, you, you will probably be hearing it over the mewling, helpless crying of my newborn baby, Baby Nation. Uh, better fucking not, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> you tell that baby's what's what before yeah. we start recording next week. Yeah. All right. Sorry, baby. Do you want uh, formula <laughs> this week? Yeah. Because if so, we need that fucking Squarespace money. <laughs> so, so shut up. Good. Lovely. That's delightful. <laughs> uh, wish me luck, Baby Nation. We love you. We kiss you. This week, Baby Nation, I have been Jack Shepard. I am and have always been and will always be Tanner Greenring. This week, Claudia's wearing a bra now. The way she talks, you would think that boys had just been invented. Um, all right, we're going to talk, Baby Nation, we're going to talk about something called stuck door eggs. Like, the the Happy Ring section, like, and John and Malcolm wrote a book about a man having a heart attack. Yeah. And your Happy Reading was like, my dad used to make weird eggs. Yeah. And anyway, like, Happy Reading. fucking ivory tower, you know? <laughs>
<laughs> Just like untouched by death. What Anne is describing is the ideal way to make scrambled eggs. <laughs> and I know you're a vegan man, so you wouldn't know this. Listen to me. I don't know anything about cooking, but I know how to make scrambled eggs. And when you make scrambled eggs, you crack them in the pan and you let them sit for a second. You don't stir them at all. And you definitely, definitely don't stir them or whip them before Tanner, you put them in the pan. I am, you put them in the pan. I, no. You let them cook for a second. Your Honor, may I approach the bench? chop them up. You, Your you, Honor, may you I approach the bench? Up. Your Honor. Those are ideal I scrambled eggs. Approach the bench. What Mr. Martin made was... Sir? Good scrambled eggs. Go ahead. I would like to have the aforementioned struck from the record as a... You don't want me to give out good vegan, egg recipes? As a vegan man. <laughs> I will not, sir, have on my podcast... Delicious scrambled egg propaganda. <laughs> baby Nation, vegan baby nation, you can also probably do this with whatever bullshit you guys eat. Tofu scram. <laughs> I like to make I like Tofu to make scram. what I call I call it a scram witch. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>